This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, everyone? And welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Jack Bennett, one of the developers behind the recently released title known as Tales of Iron. Thanks for joining. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. I'm glad you could make it because this game looks pretty darn cool. The artwork, whew, it's, it's, it's nice work. Um, however, before we get into the game, we always start here with the people that made it. So, uh, you know, Jack, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about how you got into game creation in the first place. Okay, so yeah, like I said, I'm Jack. I am the producer and designer here at Oddbug Studio. Uh, we're a really small team, so I say designer and producer, but we all do a lot of everything as uh-huh. most indies do. Um, but I, uh, Many hats. <laughs> exactly, yeah, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I started making games maybe about eight years ago now. So wow. uh, the way I got into games basically was I went to uni in Norwich in the UK mm-hmm. uh, and studied games, art and design. From there, we, as a, as a group, we went to a competition in Dundee in Scotland, which is where Rockstar and that are based. Uh, and they do a competition called Dare to be Digital. Uh, and there we may, you, you get like a, maybe like two, three weeks to put together a demo or just try and make something in that time. Okay. Um, okay. Like a very extended game jam. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's like trying to make your first game. So you've got some sort of demo together. Uh, uh-huh. So basically we, we did that and then they, because they're quite a big university, they bring in like industry to come and look at your game. So like Lion uh-huh. and Rockstar and that came and looked at it. Uh, but one of the big ones was Sony XDev came and looked at the, at the games. Uh, and they was really excited by what we'd made. So that evening we went out with them for a drink and got speaking to them and showed them our, you know, like our game design document for our first game, Lost Bear. Uh, yeah, and they yeah. really loved it. And that's what they gave us some uh, funding to make a demo for that. So that's really what got us into the industry and, and started making games. Wow, that's such a cool story. That's, uh, first off, that's interesting because it, not often do you hear a story where you're like, yeah, uh, we created this demo and then someone from Sony like gave us money. Like that's, that's incredible. What, what did that feel like? What was like, what were the, the nerves I'm sure were, were crazy that like, yeah, it's exciting, but now you have all this pressure that you have to work with a company like Sony. Well, that's the thing, like being a student, you just think you can do anything and like, you're just wanting to make stuff. So stupidly you kind of go into it just thinking like yeah we'll do this let's like, just we go got this it. sony you know they're gonna they're gonna help us they'll do it so yeah like <laughs> it, you just kind of full-heartedly just go into it and do it so there wasn't really that nerves about doing it it was more the excitement of being like yeah we're going to be making a game and it's funded by sony that's awesome that's awesome so you were you were part of the initial uh three i think it was the the three co-founders of Oddbug. is that correct yeah, exactly. So we all went to uni together. That's how we met. Oh, that's cool. We went to uni together. We lived together. We still live together now. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. We've been working and living together for a long time now. Oh, that's exciting. That uh, I'm sure that's uh, it's got to be useful, but also incredibly frustrating if you ever get on each other's nerves. Is that, does that ever happen? Well, at this point now where we've been together so long, we're kind of 
we're basically brothers now like we've lived together so long we've been around each other for so long that it doesn't really get to the point of frustration i think the worst thing of it is we just can't stop like, <laughs> like we'll be having dinner and it's like oh we'll talk about this and like he never really stopped game devin <laughs> right right i feel like that's a big thing with a lot of indie devs is it's like it's so hard to especially now that many people you know work from home and the whole pandemic and and all of that kind of stuff but like from an indie dev perspective which most people usually do it out of their homes or out of a small like location i feel like it's really hard to disconnect from the 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 work and your actual life right like how do you how do you balance that right what is that work life balance for you yeah i mean 100% i think it's more a case of indies but the games industry in general like as an indie obviously you're working on something that is very very personal to you you've come up with the idea you've developed it you're the one you're working with such a small team that they're mainly your mates as well so you're very very attached to it so it's hard but in general in the games industry as a whole you're working on something for other people to enjoy so there's that bit of you that you just you need you want it to be as good as possible because you want people to love it yeah yeah i can imagine i can imagine it's it's got to be a a a tightrope uh to kind of balance yourself along being like well this has to be good but i also need to take a breather (laughs) so um, that's the other side of it you have got to have the sort of mental health and capacity to understand when you need to stop and go to the gym and eat healthily because otherwise you will be spending 24 hours a day in front of a PC. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, So I wanted to talk a a little bit about the studio because you've you've brought in a few more people now since the the original game. Um, And I think it's interesting because when I'm looking at your first title of uh, Lost Bear, and then looking at Tales of Iron, it it feels very similar in like an art structure, um, but such a vast difference in genre and kind of theme. Uh, what what was it about you know going from that first title to now this? Was it something where uh, it was just a, a change in in scope where you're like, okay, well that was great. Let's try something totally different. Was there something about Lost Bear that you were like? let's uh let's improve upon this and make you know like what was the the idea behind moving to something that was quite different in in genre yeah exactly so i'd say the thing that they have in common is obviously they're very art driven 2d side scrollers at their at their core and obviously with lost bear being our first game our first proper commercial game we really needed to learn those skills of sort of standards of platforming standards of art implementation lighting camera work like all of these core basic things that we wanted to be because with our games we like them to be obviously quite a high polish level for indies so we really needed to hone our game on those so lost bear was kind of us understanding those concepts and pushing a little bit maybe in the idea of story and then Mm -hmm. we did we did have that sort of little push with doing a 2d platformer in vr so we was kind of that was our mechanical push but it wasn't really the mechanics we really wanted to be doing uh, so gotcha. basically we understood we use lost bear to understand those core mechanics and then with tales of iron we understand those mechanics so now we can go into actually making like really juicy meaty proper game <laughs> mechanics for the next game so that, gotcha. that was kind of the transition across is there any um is there any form or or 
like concern around maybe concern is not the the right word. I'm I'm struggling to try and form formulate this, but like I'm thinking about spending so much time in your first game on uh the platform that is VR, right? And then going away from that is was there any concern around like oh we learned all of this technical information and now we're jumping away from VR? It's why I think a jump from something like that and maybe i you know i could be ignorant there might not be that much different of a you know a technical base to it but um was there a discussion with the team around like oh let's not do vr for this one right yeah definitely because vr is is well for us anyway it was because we was making like a 2d game with inside a 3d vr game so Mm -hmm. that was because we're very art driven but we're art driven 2d wise rather than 3d wise so right. we kind of wanted to focus on that 2d but the, the whole point is that in development vr is very time consuming from mm. from a practical point of view of like every time you want to test it you've got to put this headset on <laughs> for the game to load up it's just very draining time right whereas if we stuck to 2d and just focused on that traditional gameplay it would we was able to make a lot more content with the small team that we've got Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that makes sense. I think it's it's really tough. I'm uh, always surprised when there are developers who are working on VR when they're smaller teams because it, it just is a lot of work, right? Um, that being said, I think this is a great stopping point to to talk about the game itself, right? Let's talk about why we're here, which is Tales of Iron. Now, for those who don't know anything about the game, uh, give me your, your elevator pitch, right? What makes this special? So my easiest way to describe Tales of Iron that I would use for most people is to say Red War meets The Witcher. So Interesting. Think, think like anthropomorphic animals in a medieval society uh, in a world where rats are fighting frogs for dominance, basically. So the whole story of Tales of Iron is that you play as Prince Reggie when the kingdom is attacked by the frogs. Uh, and then it's up to Prince Reggie because his father gets killed to take over the, the throne and kind of save his family from the frogs, rebuild his kingdom, and then take back the frog lands basically uh, and take the fight to them. Then this is all wrapped up in this really meaty, brutal combat that's very souls like. So it's super, super brutal, uh, not just in the way that it's quite tough to do, but at the same time, visually, it's very brutal. Like we mm-hmm. do not hold back. So that's one thing I hear a lot about is like, as you mentioned, the art style is really nice. It's very cutesy. It does have those red wall vibes to it. But in the gameplay, you're chopping frogs' heads off. You're disemboweling <laughs> frogs. Like, it's very brutal. So that's the sort of elevator pitch. And then on top of that, I'd say that from a, an outset, we like to make our games feel almost like, do you know, like a Grimm's fairy tale? Yes, so yes. Like, it's very it's... fairy tale in the way it looks. Uh-huh. But it's got this sort of dark underlying story to it. And then... That's all narrated by Doug Cockle, who is the voice of Geralt of Rivia. So that wraps that whole like storybook feel up. Yeah, yeah. It also adds to that Witcher part, right? Um, I, no, I I love that you mentioned that because there's there's something about the art in your games that is just so gorgeous. And at the same time has that gritty, very storybook look. It, the Grimm's fairy tale is exactly kind of, you basically answered my question, which was, you know, what was that inspire, like inspiration around that art direction? Because I think that's really where where you're headed. But there's, oh man, it's, it's really good, you know? 
Yeah, so like like I said about the Grimm's fairy tales, so our art director, Martin Raymond, he's from the Czech Republic. So you might notice with a lot of our artwork, it's got those really thick black lines around it. Mm-hmm. And that's heavily inspired by like Eastern European block printing. So that really links into that sort of art style, like why everything looks like it's got those thick lines around it. And that links nicely to those sort of Grimm's fairy tales where there's that sort of dark underlying tone to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it because it, it reminds me of, you know, it's like a pop-up book in a lot of ways. It's like a very uh, grotesque pop-up book. Um, the the one thing that I wanted to, to go back to, though, was the story of this game, of you being these rats fighting these frogs. Um, this is, once again, I'm, I'm showing my, my ignorance again. Uh, do frogs and rats normally fight? Where did this come from? <laughs> so... The main starting point of the of our concept for it was that the director, uh, Dan Robinson, he had pet rats. So all of the ca- main characters in Tales of Iron are based around those rats. Oh, that's cute. So like Reggie was actually his pet rat. So that was our main point. And then because we wanted this sort of medieval Game of Thrones-esque setting, we needed an enemy and we wanted it to be like that fantasy idea of this sort of goblin orc sort of character. And obviously... Mm frogs fit that really well and then they've got yeah. that sort of like innate evilness of them being like hidden in swamps and water and jumping out <laughs> on you so that kind of fit really nicely together okay all right I, I just wanted to make sure i'm not going crazy i've never heard of of a, a rat and a frog war but i i like the idea i think it does make sense pitching them together with you know something like a goblin or an orc like i i get it it this instantly the, makes sense that's the crazy thing about it is like we was maybe two weeks away from finishing the game. And then we found out like there's an ancient Greek story about rats and fo- frogs fighting. Oh, there you go. So it's like the story in that is that the, the, the frog is taking the, the rat across the river on his back and then it gets attacked by a snake. So the frog dives down and the rat drowns and that starts uh... the war between the rats and the frogs. And it's a very long Latin name that I'm not going to try and pronounce, but yeah. <laughs> There's history to this war, I guess. <laughs> well, you could always say that, uh, I mean, you did just kind of give it away, but you could always say that that's what inspired you. Um, <laughs> we'll just clip that part out. <laughs> so uh, one of my things that I, I love about the the you know the art style or the, the animation, I guess, is, is one of the things that I, I point out um, or like that caught my attention so quickly was the twitchiness of this game. A lot of the actions, the movements, the attacks, you have these very snappy moments where your character is kind of winding up and then immediately like pouncing. Uh, It feels very, very like a a rat jumping at an enemy, Um, whereas a lot of the characters are also in, in like a frog state would be jumping or hopping towards you, right? Was there any inspiration around that twitchiness of, of, you know, leading it towards what that character would really look like or really attack like if they had, uh, you know, the ability to stand on two legs? Or was that just kind of like a, well, we want this to be fast paced? Well, it's just a combination of the two. So like, obviously, like I said, Dan, the director, he had pet rats. So he's obviously heavily inspired by their movement. So when you watch, when you watch the game, they, their whiskers do twitch. They mm-hmm. walk around almost like if they was a rat on their back legs. So that, that is something we wanted because we wanted them to be rats. They're not humans. You know what I mean? That they actually right. feel like rats, but then at the same time, we wanted this really like meaty 
weighted combat. So we wanted the impacts to feel heavy. It's not a hack and slash. It's a, it's a souls like, so every hit needs to feel like it's a hit. Every time you get blocked, it needs to feel like you're actually hitting that shield. So mm -hmm. we needed that sort of impact and weight to the animation to make the combat feel believable. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think that makes sense. I, so speaking of making the combat feel believable or, or just the combat in general, um, I personally, I'm not always the biggest souls like fan. Uh, I haven't been, but I, I know a lot of people who love the idea behind it. And one of the, the big things is the, uh, the customization of kind of playing the way you want, um, which seemingly, uh, a lot of these more souls like games have kind of gotten away from but still have a good amount of like here's different weapons you can use here's different uh armor types that you can use and like different classes that will give you kind of those those changed abilities or you know slight variations to let you play how you want to play right um i wanted to to ask you about this game and kind of what that cost customization feels like you know are there going to be a lot of different build types or different uh uh styles that a person can play with to kind of play the way they want to right yeah exactly so going back to your first point i'm not liking souls like it's like one of the main things that we've done in tales of iron is we've removed the stamina bar so initially when we was developing tales of iron we had a stamina bar but we noticed that people were just watching the ui they were watching that bar to see when they could roll to see when mm -hmm. they could mm -hmm. parry and that's not what we wanted we wanted our combat to be focused on the enemy understanding their attacks and reacting to those attacks right. so you're a lot more focused and a lot more uh, looking at that enemy so by removing that stamina bar we've actually made it easier for people to get into the game because they're not having to be completely skilled in managing a bar They've just yeah. got a focus on this enemy. Whereas in most souls, like you're focused on the enemy and you're having to worry about this stamina bar and this health <laughs> bar. So a lot of reviewers have been saying like, this is a good first step into souls likes for most people. So you should give it a try. Oh, but in go. terms of customization, yeah, you're hundred percent correct. Like we, we've got almost like 200 items of clothing, uh -huh. weapons, helmets, shields. So you can really customize reggie to the way you want to play so we don't have a skill tree so you're not like customizing reggie it's purely based on your skill as a player mm -hmm. but through the, your customizations you can make reggie play in the way you want to play so for example you can have like a really heavy armor that's going to slow you down in your dodge roll it's going to give you that classic souls like fat roll but it's going <laughs> to allow you to take a lot of hits mm. or or you can go in with a really light armor and be almost like a rogue where if you get hit, you're going to die in a couple of hits, but you're going to be able to dodge half the length of the arena and you're going to be able to really evade those foes. So you can play like that if you want. So then on top of that with weapons, we've got thing, we've got a range of weapons. So you could have like a spear. So a spear is really fast. It lets you get in a lot of attacks, but you're not doing a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that, you've got axes and hammers, which are, super super slow but they're going to do a lot of damage on each hit so now you can really start to build reggie how you want like you can be a light armored bow wielding ranger or you can be a heavy armored two-handed hammer wielding tank it's completely up to you and how you want to play <laughs> i love it what's your build of choice i'm 100 percent tank every time oh. there's one armor in the game that i really love that's super super heavy plate armor i put on a super heavy helmet the biggest shield and I go with a big hammer and yeah, I just, I don't die. 
<laughs> I love it. Our our play styles could not be more different. <laughs> Anytime I I pick up a game and I feel like I'm weighted down, I'm like, ah, no, too clunky for me. <laughs> Gotta do something different. That's the thing, though. I like the weight because I have to be really on it. Because if I'm not on it, then I'm going to get hit because I need to be dodging well before that attack comes in because I'm so slow and heavy. Right, right. I get it. But I mean, hey, that's great. That goes into the idea of like you and I could have totally different experiences but still have a great time playing the game. Exactly, exactly. Now, going into playing the game and kind of more about the story, I, I saw that there were six distinct biomes in this game. So different areas, different uh, you know levels that you can go to. Um, similar with a lot of Souls-like games, there's the idea of having uh, open paths or like branching areas. Does your game have any of this? Is, is it more of a, a linear fashion or will you be able to explore these biomes kind of in any order of a player's preference? No, so that's something that we do change. Like most souls likes are about kind of just exploring the world, like a hollow knight or a sword and sanctuary, you're just kind of free to roam the world. Whereas mm -hmm. in Tower of Light, we have this linear story going through it. We have this story of Reggie rescuing his brothers, rebuilding his kingdom and taking the fight to the frogs. So you do unlock areas in a linear fashion and there's quests that take you through that. But once you're in those areas, you're free to roam around that area. Gotcha. Uh, so it almost becomes like an RPG in that you can then travel between any of those areas. So you, oh, can, okay. go, you can go from the Crimson Keep to Longtail Village to the Mines, back to the Crimson Keep, completely up to you whenever you want. Gotcha. Is that something that's going to be rewarded in a sense of like you might unlock a certain thing? You know, I'm thinking of like Metroidvania style, right? You you get a new piece of equipment or a new skill and you can go back and, and find some secret treasure or something that will better your character or your experience. Yeah, exactly. If you go around and what, what we do is we have gates like a, a Metroidvania where you need a certain type of weapon to break it so there are points where you can't explore any further but once you've got that you can go out and start exploring once you're exploring you might find chests with better weapons and armor uh, and then also unlock extra side quests and that sort of thing so yeah that, there is that level of exploration to it gotcha gotcha i love it this game i'm i'm glad you mentioned it because it does really remind me of salt and sanctuary um and and one of the biggest things about this is I, I love asking people this question is how do you handle the difficulty question uh you know there's a lot of people who are on the side of like you should have levels there's people who are on the side of you should have just one difficulty and it should be hard uh where did you land with this game and what was the discussion like so with us, we've only got the one difficulty, but what we've done is we've balanced that to the average player. So for some people, Tales of Iron is not going to be like the super, super hard Dark Souls or Bloodborne that they're looking for, but it's mm. going to give you them Souls-like feelings. Mm. But for mm. newer players, it's still going to be that challenge. So we're like in the middle of that. We've got that one difficulty. But something I do really like is the op is to later add that option or something that we could do is add that option in later on. But what I think we're with the main story path for it and the fact that our combat is slightly different in that we have all of these tales. So uh, if you played God of War, you might be familiar with it. You know, they've got like the colored icons that come up above their head. Mm -hmm. so we have those in our game, which makes the experience a lot easier to understand uh, for the average player. Right, right. Was was the idea of, you know, with, with 2D games, I think it's it's a lot harder to map out kind of combat 
uh, as opposed to to taking a Souls-like approach of having the 3D world to explore. Was there ever a point, and I know uh, obviously there's limitations because that's a much bigger, uh, you know, expanse to jump into to just be like, let's make it 3D, right? But like, was there any concern around making it in this 2D fashion around what combat would feel like? No, not not at all. Like, we are a 2D studio. That's the sort of games we want to make. We want to make 2D games. We like telling stories through 2D games. So we was never of the opinion that we should add a 3D game. It was always, how can we make a 2D Souls-like? That was always right. the question. And obviously, Sword and Sanctuary, Hollow Knight, they've all walked these paths, but there were all things in them that we weren't particularly fond of when playing them. So it was like taking those and spinning it in the way that we wanted the Souls-like to play. Gotcha, gotcha. Sticking your ground, I love it. And I, I love the idea of building a game that you specifically want to play. I think it happens more than not. I always bring this up is that, you know, anytime you're creating a game, it's only going to feel as good as you envision playing that game, right? Like if you're not passionate about it, if you wouldn't want to play that game, I feel like you're not going to make something that that really stands up to, to other games that are out there. Well, exactly. That That's the whole point of being indie. You know, like if if I was willing to work on any game that I didn't really care about, I'd be in AAA and be earning 10 times the money. I'm, <laughs> I'm in indie because I'm making games that I want to make, telling stories that I want to tell. And that's the really cool and exciting thing about being indie is you get that opportunity. Yeah. Well, I, I mean... I've seen a lot of positive reviews, so I uh, would say that you're you're really on your way there. You've got two two successful games under your belt, but this goes into my question of okay, well, what's next, right? You know, you you are creating some great stuff. Tales of Iron is out, uh, good reviews. Are we looking for you know any DLC, any updates? You kind of talked about you know there might be things uh, next as far as like a difficulty. Is there going to be like harder bosses, something? totally different down the road what are, what are y'all working on so at the moment everything is completely under wraps because like we released six days ago now so yeah, yeah. we're not even a week out from tales of i'm being out so at the moment we're just seeing how it does what's happening <laughs> but what i can tell you is and it's already been announced so i'm not giving anything away we have signed a new contract with our publisher united label so nice. we are working on something okay so, allowed to tell you all right so please be excited i guess i guess i, guess I could say that's a tale for another time ah <laughs> look at you well i mean i i am excited i knowing now that the stamina bar isn't there i might have to to pick this one up because it sounds good i love the art style to it uh let's wrap this up with my final question that i love to ask all developers which is basically just advice um, so for those who are in the indie space, people who, you know, like you want to get into this field, uh, probably not going to get the same kind of, uh, uh, that, the the Sony handout, obviously it's not a handout, but it's <laughs> a harder, uh, you know, ask to, to get into that position, but those who want to really get in and, and start, you know, what's some advice or some things that you've picked up along the way that, that have helped you that you think others can, uh, can really, really learn from. Okay, so I think I think I'll answer that in from two perspectives. So if okay. you're, let's go from the point of like if you're a student and you want to get into the industry or into the indie space, I would say that the best thing you can do is meet people. I know we've just been through a pandemic and that's like been not an option, but yeah, 
even if you can do it online, meeting people, going to game jams, uh, because and just start making something with people. Because as soon as you start making something, you're going to have questions. You're going to have questions about how do I do this or how should I do this? Uh, and that's going to lead you to talking to more people. And then that's going to eventually get you to the point where you're making a game about rats and frogs fighting each other in a medieval world. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, it spirals pretty rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> but my other point is, I would say from the point of an an indie developer and maybe you, you you're making your first game now and you're like where does this go my other point is always be ready and working on the next project because you we fell into this trap with our first game like you met you're so in love and impassioned by your first or your project that you're currently working on that you're like as soon as this comes out it's going to smash it we're going to make loads of money and then we use that money to make our next project because everyone's going to be playing our game Mm-hmm. that doesn't happen <laughs> that's not how it works like you need to be ready with your next project to be pitching it for when your first project finishes wow. that's always the way you want to be going because if not you're going to be falling into which we did falling into this gap where it's like the game's come out it's done okay and what now <laughs> and it's that's not a fun place to be yeah in. yeah i can imagine and then on top of that my little cherry on the top is if you're ever signing a contract with a publisher keep your ip do not sell your ip as part of the project yeah bad decision (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love the feedback um the advice jack thank you so much for coming on for those listening tales of iron is currently available on man just about everything so like you've got no excuse you got to pick this game up uh it's on xbox it's on playstation switch steam on the pc be sure to go check it out uh once again jack Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for having us. It's been a lot of fun. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.